All right. Hey there. I've been watching a lot of football. You know, Grace, you you watch no football and I watch lots of football and I love the NFL. I was watching a football game the other day and it featured the Kansas City Chiefs. This was during the uh, the playoffs. Now, uh, for many, many weeks at the end of the season, the Chiefs um, had kind of a special guest. So normally, let me explain this to you. Normally in a football game, when something happens and uh, let's say Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback, something happens to Patrick Mahomes, they scan up to the, to the sidelines and they, they show you a picture of Patrick's family. Usually it's his wife or his children. And they may be going, oh no, Patrick, are you, I hope he's okay. Or they're cheering because he just scored a touchdown. Well, lately with the Kansas City Chiefs, every reaction shot, everyone, seems to go up into the stands and show the view of a very famous musician. Taylor Swift? Taylor Swift. That's right. Everything the Kansas City Chiefs do is is tied into Taylor Swift. In fact, I think it's because Taylor Swift, you know, is just such big news in secular society today. I know... Um, you know, I, I, I'm not making a judgment on any Taylor Swift fans out there, but I, <laughs> I do know there are many people that are obsessed with Taylor Swift. In fact, my family, I had a, a um, when during one of those football games, I had no less than 100 messages from my family until one of my family members finally um, made a comment that made a lot of sense to me. And it basically, basically, here's what it said. Let me see. It's, it was, hey, I'm just going to point out the obvious. Okay, so all the comments have to do with, wow, look at, look at Travis Kelsey. Look at his brother. But here's the message that came out. It was, um, I am just pointing out the obvious. People only see what is in public. We don't know them personally. We don't know the families personally. I do like seeing photos of them together, but it isn't like we have a personal relationship with them. So this was my sister. Now, one of I have three sisters. One of my other sisters responded, I like pretending like I do have a personal relationship <laughs> with them. <laughs> you know, and I think it I, I think this whole um this whole thing, the NFL loves it because it brings more people to the games. So they love more eyeballs at the games. They got people now watching these games that are not football fans. They're Taylor Swift fans. Kind of, um, I'm going to put out this word, idolatry. And the reason I bring up this word is I'm going to say a couple things. First of all, there was a famous uh, American TV show. I think it's still on, but it's not as famous as it used to be. And it would take people off the street. They would come in. They'd say, I want to be a musician. I want to sing. They would come in and sing. So they would come in and, um, and sing. And then they would get on the show. And they would compete week after week until they had the final winner. And they called that person the American... Idol. Idol. That's right. So the American Idol, Idol, mm -hmm. was the person who won the show. And the point with Taylor Swift, just so, so we can understand the numbers... You know, she has 150 million Instagram followers. She has 43 million YouTube subscribers. 
Her views on social media exceed 20 billion. That is attention. Lots of people are paying attention to her. So are you trying to say that she's an idol? Yeah, I think I'm just trying to say um, that I'd like to talk about idols today. Right. You know, I don't, I don't know that people are necessarily making uh, Taylor Swift an idol in their lives, but I think she does uh, receive lots of attention. And, right. you know, our podcast is about Catholicism. Right. And in our journey with Jesus... Who should deserve all of our attention? Right. Jesus. Jesus. Right. So, so when you say about idols, I, I just thinking, you know, um, the same person or same thing that can become an idol also can become an image. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to distinguish between idol and image. Um, idol, of course, it doesn't. When we say idol, it's like substitute to God, right? Right. Something that is. Uh, taking a place that is intended only for God, anything or anyone taking that place of God of a, of an owner in our life which deserves only to God and that becomes an idol. And what's an image? Image biblically, when we speak, it can be anything that points to God actually. But in the Old Testament, especially when we read about the Ten Commandments, the Lord would say, "Don't make any image of me," right? Because no one can actually bring in the whole essence of God into an image. But images can point to God. That's how they help. So anyone, you know, including Taylor Swift or anyone, especially because she's also having this creative, uh, you know, genius within her, that's a gift from God. So, I mean, she's an image of God. Every, every human person is in, in the image and likeness of God too. So that means we can live out uh, the um, the life of God in this life by becoming his image. Yeah, and I, I would say I watch a lot of Instagram um, shorts, and I, I see a lot of um, athletes who are asked about, hey, how wow, you were so great. How are you this great? And I, I see a lot of them point their greatness to God. They give God credit. And people are becoming even more and more vocal today, even to the, to the point where just recently NBC is being accused of cutting out um, one of the athletes saying, I've, at, at a, during an interview, the athlete said, I, I want to first give um, praise to Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. And then mm -hmm. I'll answer, and then started answering the question. And in the clip that showed up on social media, that first part was cut out. But uh, that is the accusation. Yeah, there are certain coaches that will, um, that will pray with their teammates in the locker room. Of course, they don't force their teammates to do that. There are certain uh, team members that will get together, like you say, and they'll hold hands and pray. So, you know, as we look at, you know, image versus idol, um, you know, an image, by the way, I guess it's a lot of, there's been a lot of confusion in history as well. Isn't that, you know, where a lot of headbutting between um, other religions and Catholicism comes into play. Other religions would say, well, you Catholics are worshiping uh, statues. You have, you're idol worshipers. You have statues, you have statues of Mary, statues of Joseph. In my parish, we have uh, Mary, Joseph, um, our patron saint for our parish, 
a number of other saints throughout throughout the structure. Right. But of course, the center is always like behind us. It's always in the in the church. It's always the crucifix. And the tabernacle. And the tabernacle. So one thing about, I mean, specifically speaking about the Catholic Church and the images and statues and all, I mean, you know, uh, if a statue falls down and breaks, we might feel sad because a beautiful thing is broken. Just like if I uh, break my watch or anything, I feel just like that. I won't die of grief. My God has died. No. Right, because my God is much beyond any image of any statue of Jesus. Can, Jesus is so that 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 should actually um, settle us about this. I mean, idea that Catholics are idol worshippers. If it's an idol, because in certain religions, when there is an idol, they honor that idol, and if it's stolen or if it's something happened to that particular statue or idol, it's it's a great problem. Um, yeah, I, an idol replaces God. Yeah, because because that that particular object is God for those people who worship idols. But then that's not the situation in the Catholic Church. But you know, Peter, when we speak about idols in that sense, when we look into the Old Testament or mm-hmm. ancient religions across the world, all the religions had, um, I mean, idols. They and many gods, multiple gods, right? So the revealed religion, which is actually Judaism and Christianity, which came from it, revealed religion is a revelation that came from God, a God without image. A God cannot be captured in any object, right? right. Throughout the history of Israelites, because they had to constantly, uh, I mean, battle idol worshipping. Sometimes they will fall into idol worshipping, then they have to come back to God. And this was the primary accusation, Yahweh, had against Israelites. So let's look at the, um, everybody think to yourselves, what's the first instance of an idol you can recall in the Old Testament? Now, I know mine is going to be way down the road, but I'll let, uh, what, what can you think of? Do you mean Exodus? I mean the golden calf? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But I thought you would surely come up with something like, oh, Adam and Eve had an idol. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, of course there is. But then we haven't reached that point of, you know, uh, I mean, of trying to find the real idols in our life. That's why I'm, I was trying to build a history on that. Yeah, so the golden calf, let's use that as an example. I think it's a great example. Everybody has seen, you know, the story of Moses. Moses goes up into the mountain to pray, comes down with the Ten Commandments. And when he comes down, he's like... Hey, I've been gone 40 days. I've been gone 40 days. And what are you guys doing down here? What have you been doing? How have you been productive while I've been gone? And he sees them dancing and, um, I don't know, singing around a golden calf, an idol that they made to replace God. That's that's exactly the problem, right? So Moses, and, and when, when they converse after that, this is what they say. Uh, I mean, they are asking Aaron in the absence of Moses, as for this man Moses who brought us out from the land of Egypt, mm-hmm. we don't know what happened to him. He's not here for the past 40 days. Make us a God, right? And then when they have this golden calf, they're saying, oh, this is a God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, like like actually trying to replace 
God, right? So, um, and they were making a bunch of excuses too, right? They said, "Oh, we were just um, throwing <laughs> stuff into the fire, and this calf raised up." <laughs> That's what Aaron says to Moses. <laughs> Aaron is Moses's brother. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the saddest part, I mean, when we look into it later on in the in the history of Israelites, that was just a beginning, maybe. Then we see multiple instances. And nothing could stand for God. And that is why God tried to preserve his silence from idolatry till the moment of Jesus. Because Jesus is the only person who was closer to the heart of God, who was God himself, who could actually replicate God to us. And then subsequently, right. actually, we are also created in the image and likeness of God, but not in the way Jesus is, right? So that's why in John's Gospel, chapter 1, John clearly says that no one has ever seen God. It's only the Son of God who, who is close to the bosom of God, who revealed us God. So till then, till that moment of history, there is this great struggle with idols. But you know, Pete, something that actually struck me in the Old Testament, the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 2, verse 13, prophet says, he's actually speaking the word of God, right? And he says, there are two two sins that my people have committed. The first is that they have renounced me, the source, the fountain of true life. They have renounced me, the fountain, and then they have dug dry cisterns for themselves. They were trying to, because they lost the fountain, they're trying to find God. That they, they made cisterns which cannot hold water. So it's not just one sin now. One sin is denouncing God. Second is trying to find something else that could place, replace God. Replace that vacuum. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, that holds good even today. Right? So that, that, at that time, probably idolatry. But now, thousands of idols... What are the idols that we could speak of today in our lives? So that brings us back even to my Taylor Swift discussion. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes the idol can be an, an activity. Right. So, for example, I may love golf. And my, my group, my friends, we go golfing every Saturday, Sunday morning. So there's no way I'm going to church on Sunday morning. <laughs> Now, granted, in the Catholic Church, we do have Mass on Saturday evening. But what if I'm going out Saturday evening? I'm just going to have to miss Mass. I'm just going to replace my, my worship time with my recreational time. So the fountain is God is replaced with golf. With golf. The dry system go. here. That's right. And I'm, I don't want to, uh, I don't need all the golfers saying, hey, don't be uh, messing with golf, right? Yeah, speaking about idols, um, especially in the ancient world, I mean, this, this is a um, great philosopher, Huabak, um, a German philosopher, but uh, he's actually a person who influenced Marxism and many subsequent ideologies. So I read about him. He says, argument that... Um, or this God, the concept of God is a projection of human beings, their own desires, their own concept of goodness. They projected it all outside into an image, which is God. And that's why they are worshipping God. That's what his argument. I mean, many people were convinced by this. When I read that for the first time, I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, it, ha it, like, it appears very 
very cool and logical, right? Very rational, very rational to think that. Right. And, and I was, so when I get something like that, I take it and I sit with the Lord because how do I know the truth? It, this could be truth. This, is, this can be well argue, argued, saying that, okay, there is no God. This is just an Im- image of something that you have within you, which you project outside. So some, some cultures, they made some idols and said, okay, this is the best version that we can come, come up with, and this is our God. So it's a projection of our own selves, our own desires. So uh, and after, after considering that and praying with it, like, you know, this is what, this is what the Lord revealed to me. So human beings like good things, that's correct, but we do not know good things because of the fallen nature, concupiscence that we have, right? Because of the fallen nature, we lost the real concept of what is good and what is bad. So what happened was we all, till till God revealed himself as the real God, people were just they didn't they didn't have the sense of morality that's what we should say they didn't have it so when the ten commandments that teaches the real nature of god till then there is nothing to be projected from our fallen nature as good for example who would say love your enemy right, right. It's not there. It's not human nature to love an enemy. That should come from God. So everything that we now see as good and now accepted because of the propagation of faith across the world and across centuries, we now have the moral sense. A value system projected by Judaism and Christianity, I think it's it's impossible to have even the image of goodness. So when we say about an idol, when people like Fuhrbach would say it's just a projection of, of goodness that's within us, it is wrong. It should come from God. That's what I was trying, trying to say. So the, the image of God, the real nature of God, cannot be captured by anything in this world. That should come from God only. That's right. It should come from God's heart only. And, you know, I, you know, I have this story that I was thinking about. It had to do with uh, an object. So... Um, this is actually a friend of mine. He wrote this story, and um, it was in one of his homilies. And um, I stole it, borrowed borrowed it for one of my homilies. And really, it, it kind of went like this. Okay, so there's a man um, who works in construction. Mm-hmm. And he's just driving a small pickup truck. You know, it's probably like a Nissan um, two-door beat-up pickup truck. But it's paid for. He uh, doesn't make a lot of money. The most important thing in his life is his family and his faith. And his most special day of the week is Sunday. When when he goes to Mass with his family, his children and his wife. Afterwards, they go to lunch. And in the afternoon, they either go to the park or they do an activity together or they um, uh, watch soccer. All right. So they're not NFL fans. They're uh, soccer fans. And what he what he really wants in life is a truck. I mean, he wants like a Ford F-150, Ford or Eddie Bauer edition. I don't know if they make those anymore. You know, Texas edition, leather seats. He sees these trucks. He's envious of those trucks. He really wants it. And he gets to the point where he says, I'm just getting one. I don't care what it costs. I'll just work overtime. So he goes out and he buys, he buys the truck. Loves it. 
loves it. In fact, this is uh, the best thing he's ever gotten in his life, other than his family. But soon enough, he finds that this truck is so expensive, it takes more gas, it's requiring more maintenance, it, the payments are astronomical, he didn't count on the insurance costs, and now he has to work a lot more overtime, and he's finding that he has to accept overtime on the weekends, even on Sunday. So instead of spending that Sunday time with his family, the most precious time he has, he's trying to pay for this truck. Mm. Eventually, he gets rid of it. Mm. So he just sells it, buys another small truck. What makes him, like he, he reanalyzes things and finds that that's become an idol in his life? Yeah, it was becoming miserable. And he, he just found... Hey, this truck is replacing the most important thing in my life, which is uh, when I say my faith, it's God and what God gave me, my family. And it's replacing that. It was also causing a lot of friction between him and his wife and him and his kids. His kids wanted him home on the weekend. So, you know, we can, um, we can want or have a desire for things in our life. Um, it can be power. It can be um, objects. It can be just money. Um, there are, are a lot of things that can take the place of God in our life. And at that point, you know, when does it become an idol? Yeah. So, Grace, how do we identify whether something is an idol or if it's just something that gives us pleasure? What's the measuring stick? That's a million dollar question. <laughs> so this is almost like asking, how do I know whether I'm violating the first commandment, right? Right. So let's start with that. The first commandment, love God with all your heart, all your soul, right? All your mind and all your strength. All your mind, all your strength. Yeah. So and God should come first. Right. And in the, in, in the sequence of Ten Commandments, there should be no other God besides me. So that's probably the first test. Is God first in that decision? Right. And I know there's, um, you know, a, a really good example. And again, this is, this is, I'm not saying this is an idol, but I'm just saying it's an example of making God first would be when you go on vacation as a family or... Um, or even as an for our young people, as an individual with your friends, do you seek out a mass for a Sunday? Or because it's vacation, vacation comes first. Mm -hmm. that, I think that's like an overused example in the, in the church, but I think it's a very pertinent example. Um, in the case of the uh, truck, the truck was interfering with... It, it became, I have to say yes to work over God. Now he was blaming it on the truck. And it was because of the truck. But the, the fact of the matter was, he was still saying yes to something else. He wasn't making God first. When somebody says, hey, I got an important call. I'm going to call you um, sometime between uh, 10 and 11 on Sunday. You say, well, I probably won't answer that. I'll be a mass. But what if you're saying, 
yeah, I'll keep it on vibrate. And when that call comes in, I'll sneak out the back and answer it. <laughs> and I'm not saying we can make this phone an idol, but we can very right. much so. Yeah. So, so you were asking, how do we identify whether something is an idol or not? So I had two, two um, Bible verses that would help. That used Perfect. to help me. That used to help me. So first was when Jesus says, "Where your treasure is, there your heart is." Oh. Right. So what am I thinking about all the time? I knew that one too. <laughs> What am I thinking about all the time, 24-7? What is it on your mind? That's that, right. That is your idol. That is your treasure. And, and Jesus continues to say, uh, make treasures for you in heaven where nothing can destroy it. No thief can steal it. it it's not perishable. So make unperishable uh, treasures in heaven instead of having your perishable. Yeah, there's that old saying, there are... You know, there are no U-Hauls in heaven. <laughs> Is that how it goes? Basically, <laughs> basically, it, it just means when you die and go to heaven, you your stuff nothing. is not going with you. All right? right. Um, I like to give my stuff a little bit of a test sometimes, and I say, okay, is this is this thing that I love so much or this stuff that's taking up my basement or taking up this room, if... If I were to die and just somebody came into this house, would they say, this is junk, goes into a dumpster. <laughs> this is, eh, somebody might use it, goes to goodwill. Or I want to keep this. And I find that the treasure that people want to keep, let's say it's children that are coming into an adult's house. The treasure they want to keep is generally some, not something that's expensive, it's something that reminds them of the person. Right. You know, for example, I have um, sitting, sitting over behind, behind us. I may go get this. Okay. It's from a childhood. Oh, my goodness. So this, this, a stranger would see this and say, well, garbage can, right? Maybe they would send it to Goodwill. It's a bank. My brothers and sisters would see this, and they would say, where did you get that? <laughs> this was on my refrigerator my entire childhood. Really? Starting, all, going way back uh, to the 1960s. Mm -hmm. So it has a lot of value within my family, and I would like my kids, they can fight over it. One of them can have it. <laughs> but I would like my kids to know this is not something you really want to throw in the dumpster. What's it worth? A dollar. Not worth anything. But much more, right? But it's worth memories. Yeah. Okay. Um, so these things, definitely, they are treasures, but not replacing God or anything. That's They're right. valuable things, beautiful things that, the God, that God wants us to have in this life, like memories connected, you know, your family that beautiful household where you lived in, and all that, those are really good things. So that practically, that just means it's not an idol, right? So what actually uh, classifies as an idol? Uh, one, one What's the second Bible verse? Second, yeah, that's the second point altogether. Before that, oh, okay. before that, so, you know, when we look into the commandments, the first three commandments are about our relationship with God. 
right? The first one, I, sh I would say, this is about thoughts. Okay, the second one, do not utter the, take the name of the Lord in vain. That's about words. Right. That will also point to the first one in the sense where the God is your God. So that is the second one. From out of the fullness of your heart, the mouth speaks. So if it is your God, you're going to speak about your God always. So that is also how you'll know whether something is your idol. If it's a person, you're going to speak about that person. If it is Taylor Swift, <laughs> we're going to speak about that person always, right? And also think about it. So the first, let me distinguish between these two. The first one is about thinking. Genesis chapter 6. We read it, that will touch us. Because there God says like this, okay? This is what we read. It's not just saying, but then what God felt. God saw that the imaginations and thoughts of human beings are always sinful, are bad. It hurt his heart. It grieved him. He regretted creating humans. God regretted creating humans, seeing our thoughts. That's how important our thoughts are. So that's in Genesis chapter, chapter six. six. Yeah. So who was um, Cain and Abel, or where were we in the in the? Past the face of Adam and Eve, right? That it's beyond, much after that. But this is the situation of humankind. The fallen. It's Adam and Eve were created in uh, innocence. There's right. no guile in them. But now the fallen nature of human beings, thoughts are perverted, right? And so how do we know whether God is our God or who is our God? Is there an idol in my life? Just, just check on what are you thinking about. First yardstick. Second is what is, the, what is it that you're speaking frequently about? That's another indication. And if these two indication, let me also say that we cannot be scrupulous about this because there can be times in our lives very difficult situation. Suppose I have an exam. Suppose just an exam. Okay, what will be I? What will be my thoughts about my exam? I have a presentation right. to make by the end of this week, and I'm concerned about it. My thoughts frequently go back to my presentation. So I cannot say those are my gods because those are temporary uh, engagements of our mind. Right? Think of this: if um, if a person has been hurt by someone or cheated by someone, you know, treachery. All those things are intense, personal, emotional faces. Those times, we might not be just thinking about God. We will be overwhelmed by these emotions. So, or people who caused those emotions. It could be even love. It could be hatred. It could be anger, vengeance. It could be insecurity due to job loss or different sorts of insecurities, right? It could be doubting another human being. It could be so many things that can overwhelm us. Those things actually do not become God, uh, though they, they encapture our whole thoughts at that time. Why and how? Because when we rise up in the morning, that's a good time. There will be a small pause before we actually sink into worldly things and absorb and even recollect our painful things. Right. That time, what do you think of? That's a good time to um, analyze whether we have all these things as, as idols or not. And again, if these things, the problems that we face, overwhelming emotions that conquer us every once in a while, if they try to threaten the position of God in our lives, the best way to handle it is to, God to go to God in prayer and offer these things up to him. 
right? Who can actually solve our financial difficulties? God can do that. So he will, those are like the empty cisterns which cannot hold water. Give that to God. He has a solution and that's done, right? So one by one, check all those things, allowing God, God to uh, take care of those things and that they are done away. God remains. These things yeah, so I'm going to go back to the uh, text message from my sister, mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay? Because she says, again, I'm just going to point out the obvious. We don't know these people. Right. We're obsessed. The, the world is obsessed with people. I mean, it's, it's not Taylor Swift. Back when Michael Jackson was popular, it was Michael Jackson. When so-and-so is popular, it's so-and-so. And Aaron Rodgers is doing this. We're always obsessed with something. And what she was pointing out is we don't have a personal relationship with them. And who should we really have our personal relationship with? With Jesus. It should be, be with Jesus. Right. And if we find that so many distractions are in our lives... And they're leading us from creating that personal relationship, finding out more and more about who Jesus is and how, like you were saying, how can, how can God be a part of my life? Not just Sundays at Mass, but every day. How can God be a part of my work, my school, my, my recreational time? You know, I found... I'll just say this last thing, and then maybe we'll go on to emails. But I found that um, when I was studying to be the be a deacon, I was like, yeah, I don't know when I'm going to do any of this work. You know, they were giving me, well, they had me taking classes again. Um, now I'm teaching. But um, I don't know how I'm going to do any of this work. And one thing I gave up, you know, I talk about, I'm talking about football but one thing I gave, uh, football was on Saturday and Sunday. You probably don't know that. College football was all day Saturday. Pro football was on on Sunday. I loved them both. I don't watch any college football now. And to be honest, I don't watch all the pro games either. I had to give up quite a bit of that to fit more, uh, to, to do more of what God wants me to do in my life. Right, knowing Pete and his passion for football, I understand how, you know, how you proved to yourself that God was God in your life. That's beautiful. Yes. And, you know, Pete, so one, one of the things that I would mm, recommend for our listeners and for my own life is this. Know to uh, prioritize God first, family second, work third. In, you know, instead of doing that, I, I know most people do that. Instead of doing that, the easiest and best and the healthiest way would be to God, to place God in the center and construct everything around him so that he has a role in everything. You know, otherwise you observe certain things and God's part is taken care of. Now let me, it, it will be like that. So it, with, instead of doing that, if God is a center, you know, even if you watch football, God is right there in the center. I'm watching this with God, right? right? And he's there. So he's not going away when I'm watching football or movie or, you know, spending time in, in any enjoyments that the world offers us. You, know, God you make a very good point. I mean, in um, the secular world today is trying to pull religion out of the secular life. They're trying to tell, t- 
tell you, do not bring your church life, your faith life into the world. Mm-hmm. So there, you know, and, and I, I was in corporate America for a long time. You, it is very frowned upon to bring religious life into the corporate world. And really, where are people who are seeking God? They're at work. That's where you'll find them. Right. You know, they're, they're out in the world. They may not even be at church. Right. So if the world is trying to do that, I recommend, like you say, your faith life should be integrated with your life, all aspects of your life. In fact, you know, it shouldn't be, if you're looking at our YouTube, I got one hand over here on my right, I got another hand over here on my left. It shouldn't be faith is here, I go to mass on Sunday, now I'm in the world, I go to do the world, whatever, you know, whatever happens, maybe Wednesday night I go over to uh, church. It shouldn't be this or that. The two should be so integrated, you can't rip one away from the other. You can't distinguish one from the other. Right. So if, if, if our faith is so intertwined in our daily lives, to rip away God from any aspect is going to be painful. Yeah, so when we do that, when there is no demarcation between spiritual and secular, it's all integrated. That just means God is the God of your life. There That's is no right. idol, right? I think yeah. it's time for us to talk a little bit about email. Right. Now, as far as our emails today, did you receive any emails, I have Grace? one. Oh, you do? Uh-huh. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> so it's not a, I mean, it's just a suggestion from a, from a person, and uh, she says, it would be good if you could help us to prepare for Lent in your mm, podcast. I saw that email. That's, that's, that's the only one I have. Do you have any plans for that, Pete? So we're recording this before Lent, and um, you know I'll answer it in a way. Um, it could be Lent, or it could be just, you know, if you're in the middle of the summer, you're in a dry spot, and you want to say, hey, for the next 30 days, I'm going to do this, or in the next 60 days, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. I would say, um, don't make it, don't overthink it. Don't make it so complicated that it's undoable. So, you know, I did a thing recently where I said, I want, um, I want these next couple of days to really remind me of, um, of my faith throughout the day. So I don't want to be disconnected. So I set um, an app to every hour on the hour. And when the app went off, I said a Hail Mary. Wow. And it helps, um, it helped to keep my mind on, um, I won't go into everything we were were dealing with, but I wanted to keep my mind on my faith throughout those days. So I say, don't overcomplicate it. That was your suggestion. I remember, Peter, you know, that helped me a lot those days, right? Coming back, just because of the chirp app, coming back to say just a Hail Mary, but that was too much, you know, that was like, you, you cannot think of, Away f- being away from God because you're reminded back to come back and even just a Hail Mary, but that was a booster. Yeah, every so hour. how about yourself? Do you, do you have a suggestion for uh, listeners on what they might be able to do? This one is good. That's good, okay. Yeah. All right, so now let's, um, let's finish with a prayer and um, um, we'll have Grace pray for us. Today our focus is on 
you know, I'm not going to say idol. So let's just say our focus today is on um, God, God and priority, God and and relationship. Where is God in our lives? Just take a moment to think about your life. Where is God right now? You know, God loves you very, very much. Grace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Abba Father, we place each of us, every one of us, in your presence, Dad. We seek your wisdom to understand our own lives, this phase in our journey towards you. There are things that can distract us. There are empty cisterns in our lives, which sometimes we do not even identify. Sometimes we overlook. We bring all those things in front of you, just as we are. You know our hidden sins even. You know us through and through. We give our lives to you. Father, we pray that you will fill our lives with your love that nothing can distract us from. One experience of your love that's sufficient to drown everything else of this world. Nothing can stand in the glory of your vision, Father. There are distractions, there are idols, there are emptiness, problems in our lives most of the time because our eyes are not fixed on you. If our eyes are watching you, Dad, we cannot know the pain of this world even. Nothing can hurt us, nothing can harm us. So we pray for us, for our viewers, for our listeners, that you will intervene into our lives with your love real experience of your love that this, that this world cannot take away from us an experience from which nothing can distract us a deeper powerful joy of your presence we seek that we receive that Father Touch our lives with your sweetness, with your sweetness. Amen. Amen. Lord be with you. And with your spirit. We ask Almighty God to bless us all, bless all of our listeners, all their families. May he bring peace, love, and joy into their homes. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Um, you're gonna listen to some Taylor Swift on your on your way home. I take it, right in the car? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> if you um, if you enjoy our podcast, subscribe on YouTube. Podcast channels like um, Apple. I have to admit, we're tr- we're we're getting all that up and running over the last few weeks. It's been it it's uh, it's been harder than I thought setting all that up. But anyway. 
subscribe, push all the like buttons, uh, write comments, all those things help us. And if you'd like to uh, provide some support, go to our website. And I think uh, we would really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for listening to us and praying together with us. It was awesome. Thank you very much. God bless. Bye-bye.